everybody. This is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. I have to go second. I'm not used to that. Wow. And I know. There's, there, there's that gap now. Andrew, as they say, is on assignment, I'll say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make him seem busy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so you get three of us today. We're going to talk about uh, the Suicide Squad, the new Suicide Squad, not mm-hmm. Suicide Squad. This one is... Uh, important to distinguish that it has a the at the beginning. Um, this movie, of course, just came out as of recording um, about a week ago on HBO Max and in theaters. This is James Gunn's attempt at rebooting, soft rebooting the Suicide Squad after the 2016 movie was not well received. <clears throat> a, the stars had to really align for this movie to get made. Um, because basically Warner Brothers swooped up James Gunn pretty quickly after he was fired from Guardians 3 by uh, Marvel and Disney and um, was then rehired not too long after that. So there was a short window of time where they were able to grab him for this movie, and thank goodness they did, because as we will discuss here, I'm without having spoken to you guys about this, I'm certain we will all at least say it is better than that first one. Oh, I mean, how could it how could it not be? We've got mostly a new range of characters in this one, some returning. Um, obviously, the notable ones being uh, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn and Viola mm-hmm. Davis's character, whose name escapes me, Waller. Uh, Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller. Um, with a uh, Rick Flag and the and Flag. Yep. Yeah, we got a, but who remembers him? <laughs> True, honestly, yeah. So we got a brand new adventure with the with the good bad guys. Who who wants to kind of go first with this? Did anybody? How did we all watch it? Did anybody go to a theater for this one? I did. I did. I did. Only Garrett went. So to it. I've seen it twice. I watched it once in the theater when it came out, and then I watched it again at home on HBO Max. And I will say um, that I had more fun in the theater while I had fun at home. I do think that. And I think that I was watching it a little more critically the second time, which plays into it as well, because, um, and I think this is just an at-home thing for me where, again, at home, I found myself a little of this, a little more disinterested on my phone with more distractions, less pay. I didn't pay as much of attention as I did in the theater um, because I had already seen it and it was mostly a refresher. But I will say that um, I very much liked it in the theater a lot. Um watching it at home i picked up a lot more on issues with it um i think the cast i'll start with the good stuff the cast is fantastic um i think that the way that they brought everybody together and james gunn kind of refocused and made it about them um i genuinely don't remember much about the first one because it was so bad um but it always felt like it was they never were a cohesive unit whereas this one they started off you know as as singular villains or whatever. And then they came together relatively quickly and you see this bond as a team. And that was the most intriguing aspect of this version to me. Um, had a lot of issues with why upon the second time, the whole mission itself, unnecessary, absolutely worthless. The whole Harley Quinn thinks absolutely worthless. Um, she's not. And the payoff that we get from the separation is a lot of fun. And then when they reconnect, it really picks up for me again. But the whole government overthrow storyline 
really seemed thrown in there and unnecessary. And I think that they either should have made that more important or figured out a way to work Harley Quinn in better um, because I think that her story is poor. And I also was not a huge fan of the monster. Um, oh, you didn't like it? It was a little too silly. It was a little too silly until Steve Ag called it a kaiju. And then I felt like they were just leaning into it. But if I was supposed to think this drunk starfish was intimidating at any point in time, I did not. I don't know if you were. I mean, but, but they, they didn't present it was a it giant monster. But they didn't. They, they the, the 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 whole thing is funny until you get to the monster, and then you're supposed to take the monster seriously. I don't until know the kaiju if, thing like that. This I don't know if you're really supposed to take it seriously. I think it is serious in the sense that it is a big thing that they've got to kill, but it is not necessarily, I think they, they, I think everything about this, James Gunn had his tongue firmly in his cheek. And uh, I can about, believe that. I just don't about, think the monster hit. Like he's, I mean, this is going back. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to take over, but like you said, it, it is, it, it, it's your turn. I it, think. It's uh it's sort of, there's that surreal nature to it of like, this is you want comic book movies you know this is comic books is absurdly weird things and monsters and people who just have guns that just build themselves you know uh anyway uh keep going keep going anything else garrett no keep going So I, uh, I watched it at home and, uh, which, you know, I don't think it really took too much away from me. It might've been interesting to see it with the rest of an audience who would be laughing or cheering or something like that. But, uh, it worked pretty well for me. Um, I really only paused it once and it was because I really wanted to write down notes <laughs> about for the, for the, for the podcast. I, in anticipation of this recording, I didn't do this before the movie, but in anticipation of this recording, I did go back and watch 2016 Suicide Squad. Um, so I wanted to. I could compare notes, so I could compare and contrast, and not be worried, not be focusing on my memory from 2016. Because similar to 2013's Man of Steel, I kind of feel like I haven't watched that movie since I left the theater that day. So all of my all of my criticisms are based on on that, and I could be completely misremembering things. And I can confirm that I was not. That movie is trash. <laughs> what James Gunn did here was have a cohesive story that felt like one story. The 2016, I don't even want to call it David Ayers. The 2016 Suicide Squad is so disjointed and so narratively not, co- not, not co- un- lacking in coherency, lacking in coherency, much like my speech, that... He it it it's like it's amazing that they let it be put in the theaters. <laughs> James James Gunn, I uh, I remember when Josh you talked about him getting scooped up by Warner Brothers. I remember being really disappointed at the time. It might be we might have recorded me saying that, so I don't know. because when James Gunn was let go, when Disney let James Gunn go, I was like, you know, this is an opportunity for James Gunn to make his like his own thing now like an original idea again you know before guardians he had like he had slither which has its fans i was like you know james gunn's a name now like he's a name on the level of a a john favreau or 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 jj abrams or something like that 
bring him, hopefully someone will bring him in and let him like, Hey James, what do you want to do? What's your story? And I was really kind of disappointed that Warner Bros. was like, Hey, come here and make another, another comic book movie for us. Cause I was like, Oh man, I, I, we know what, what he can do with that. I was kind of hoping to see what's in his head. Thankfully though, he seems to like, I, if you had any doubts that James Gunn was a good, was a good writer director, um, this proves that he is like, it's, it's very good. It's very funny. It has that creativity that you really want, I think, from an action movie. It action and 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 has that comedy. Like you said, the cast is great. Performances are hilarious at times. Um, honestly, the dynamic between Peacemaker and Bloodsport is like the entire thing for me. Like their 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 rivalry and dislike of each other. Uh, is so entertaining. Um, John Cena and Idris Elba. Like, honestly, I know that John Cena has got a Peacemaker show coming to HBO Max, and honestly, I'm going to be very disappointed because I have a feeling Idris Elba is not going to be in it anywhere. Um, I will say, just to jump in, for me, this is the best thing John Cena's done. Yeah. Without question. Not even, it's not even close based on what I've seen. I'm, I'm trying to think of what The Rock's, like, definitive, everybody going, oh, hey, this is actually really good, Blaine. <laughs> And what that movie was for 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 Dwayne, um, because this is John Cena's like, oh, John Cena's actually like can do can do can do everything. Like he's very funny. He's very, but he's he's intimidating. Uh, he sort of he to, he sort of totally owns this character. And I think a lot of his roles before this have been have been serviceable. They've been good. I've never saw Blockers, but. You I think you've seen Blockers with me. That is a great I movie. I, I have heard that people he's, say that Blockers so is very, very, very funny. And he's, very, and he's very uh, what is uh, what's the one with uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey? Sisters, sisters, yeah. Trainwreck and Trainwreck. He's very funny in Trainwreck. I mean, I think he's he's got a real niche carved out here with comedy, mm-hmm. and he could do he could do action comedy pretty well. I'm really interested to see where he goes from here. Um, but I also have a bit of a. Uh, a uh, bit of a take that's probably my worst take since saying I didn't really get into the story of Into the Heights in the Heights. Uh, so uh, King Shark didn't really do it for me, and I know like that Stallone, huh? Huh? You didn't like Stallone? It wasn't necessarily the Stallone. Honestly, I kind of feel like of that main group, which I want to talk about the other group too in a minute, but. Of the main group, King Shark is kind of the weakest overall for me. I was really, really into David Dalmatian's Polka Dot Man. I, like I was actually, Ratcatcher was a slow burn, but man, she turned out to be a really interesting, pivotal character. That moment between her and Bloodsport is really, really great when they're on the on the bus or the van or whatever. That is a really great moment. And her whole thing becomes so poignant and... Uh, and then, like I said, John Cena, uh, you know, uh, Peacemaker and Bloodsport have this fascinating dynamic that like King Shark was just kind of like there for me. And like he was kind of like like it was not this. it's not the same situation with Groot where there was like this childlike innocence and he's a good guy. It's like there's this childlike innocence, but it's also a giant shark. And it was funny at times, but also just like comparatively, like I loved all these other characters. I found all of them more interesting. I even found Rick Flagg more interesting. Rick Flag, who uh, was just so boring in the first one, they managed to make him feel like th- he's the normal guy surrounded by craziness. 
and he just sort of takes it as it takes, you know, takes it in stride. He well, he's connected to Bloodsport and he is like the military button up good guy version of Bloodsport and Peacemaker. Like he's what Peacemaker wants to be without yeah. being crazy. The funny thing is, if you had to ask me in 2015, who should be Rick Flagg, I would have told you John Cena because Rick Flagg, from what I understand from the, from, from a lot of his comic appearances is that sort of like buttoned up straight lace, like soldier who does what he's does what he does because that's what, you know, he's supposed to do. I think there's um he's in the, there's a justice league animated episode where they have Rick flag and the task force X. And someone says, so why are you doing this? He goes, um, he goes, he goes, because I've been, because I was asked, you know, like I don't need to have a bomb put in my head to do what's right for our country or something like that. Right. And that's just seems to me like John Cena would nail that, but I'm really, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that John Cena is, is where he is now. Um, I want to talk about the first, uh, actually, Josh, it's, it's, you, you need to go. <laughs> what did you think? Um, I'll try not to be too repetitive because I agree with a lot of what was already said. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it is, it is a top tier of the DCEU movies for me. Uh, you know, I think I, I had some initial concerns when it was announced that James Gunn would take this on because I thought, okay, well, the suicide squad seems awfully similar to guardians of the galaxy. Um, and that feels a little, icky tacky maybe in uh, on paper so i thought well i don't want him to just i don't want to just watch another guardians movie but those fears were put to rest because i do not think this feels um like a guardians movie at all and it could have um but i think that just shows how good of a writer and director that uh james gunn is each character stands on its own um you know, you could you could try it. You could make some some similarities to to characters in other uh, universes, but that's kind of possible with anything because comic book characters kind of share a lot of traits anyway. So well, that that was put to rest. What? To be fair, uh, with, it's always a weird struggle because I don't know the timelines, but you know, DC was has always been first as far as who's been around longer, DC or Marvel. So it's it's always an interesting debate as who comes first because the characters are based on their comics. So like if Bloodsport or somebody is reminded of somebody in a Marvel thing, you know, who who's copying who is always the question. Right. It, it doesn't matter. It's just a very interesting thing. And, it, and it, it's. Yeah. I, I think for the sake of movie making, it, it might be fair to say that, you know, that first Suicide Squad movie came out as uh, DC's attempt to have their own guardians of the galaxy. So, you know, and, and with their history of uh, not letting filmmakers make their movies, uh, it, you could see how, how they might be at eh, James. What if you made it a little more, I don't know, Marvel-y. Could you do that? I mean, that's what they had just do yeah. for, for justice league. So um, that ended up not being a thing. Thankfully, the characters are really good. These are all characters for the most part that I had never heard of. Um, and that's always fun because, you know, one of the things that comes up with with when a big an A-list character gets a, a reboot or whatever is uh, how much of this have we already heard a million times? We know how Spider-Man came to be. We know how Batman came to be, blah, blah, blah. Most people don't know how these characters uh, came to be. And that makes it more fun 
Uh, I don't know who the polka dot man is. Ne- literally never heard of him until this movie. Um, and I probably represent the casual moviegoer in that sense, because I don't know a lot of deep cut DC characters. Really? I think the only characters I know about in this whole movie was Harley Quinn and King Shark. <laughs> I didn't know any of the others. Thanks to the Flash, yeah. Uh, maybe. You're a King the Flash, Shark and Flash. the uh, the Harley Quinn animated show has King oh, Shark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, voiced by Ron Funches, and it is I very fun. I forgot to mention it. <laughs> Um, one thing that hasn't been talked about yet that I, I need to talk about is this movie is so gross. Uh, it is, and I'm not even talking about gore. It's just unsettlingly visually gross. Um, the big ones that come to mind, cause you know, gore is whatever. I watch horror movies, blood and guts. That's fine. But that polka dot man's, uh, rash. When it got real bad, was gross. Yeah, unsettling. <laughs> the st- the starfish, yeah. the detail in the starfish made me queasy. Yeah. Um, the the the, the armpit monsters flying out of it was mm-hmm. gross. Um, watching Harley jump through his eyeball and then a million rats eat like his retina. He just mm-hmm. ran into the blood, just eat it, and then so uh, gross. what about? What about when uh, somebody they had somebody who had the starfish on his yeah, face right. and has pulled back, and so like you had yeah. seen that like the starfish is just completely eaten away its face yes. in the starfish outline. It is such starfish. a nasty movie, and that is that's definitely a James Gunn thing. He's kind of gross, yeah, <laughs> in that way. Yeah, so, all, yeah, it earns that R rating. <laughs> it does. It, it, that. I, I have to say that's my biggest issue with with the starfish as the villain was he was just nasty and I didn't want to look at him too too gross for me. Um, I think it's oh god oh sorry that's basically all I had to say about him. Um, I like it though, man, because I don't so- dislike it. Sorrow. I just think it's gross and a little it's a little act three predictable, isn't it? Maybe is a sorrow as a, you know, the sorrow as a character, you know, I don't like there's been various, uh, you know, uh, to use a, a common term now variations on sorrow that we've, we've, <laughs> I've seen. And sorrow was, if you go all the way back, 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 back in your comics, roll the decks for DC sorrow is the first thing that the justice league ever came together to fight. <laughs> and, uh, you know, cause it's a big alien. That's just mind controlling people and turning them into, you know, mindless zombies. Um, in Batman Beyond, there's this great episode with a future Justice League where Superman is being controlled by Starro. Fascinating episode, really interesting. And um, its presentation here is is like I said, it's very tongue in cheek. It's that like the absurdity of it. Now, I want to talk about a little bit like it's it's kind of ruined by the promotion of the movie. I think because I think. Well, I say that, you know, like they kind of they they show a little bit of it in the movie itself. But like even if even in the movie itself, like if you had not seen in the promotion that there was that that this big creature is going to come up, you know, they had come trailers that said it's a kaiju and all that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the surprise that he was there would have been pretty interesting because the mission starts so simple. 
We're not giving you all the details. Just go destroy this building and get out, right? That's all they know. They don't know what's in the building. It doesn't matter what's in the building. Just destroy it and get out. Uh, incidentally, I think it's funny that Idris Elba still has to say the word Jotunheim all the time. Uh, and get out, you know? And then, uh-oh, problem escalates to an absurd degree, which feels like some... Honestly, I, I want to say that if none of this was based on DC Comics, it wouldn't be that surprising. Because you would just think, man, James Gunn's insane. A giant starfish monster. This guy's what you know, what will he think of next? Right. And it's uh it it felt like a situation where the suicide squad definitely should have just left. But uh for some reason they stuck with it. I think that they missed an opportunity to again to take it you I don't mind the silliness of it. I mind the over-the-top silliness of it. For me, it went a little too far into the unright. I, I will give a whole lot of uh, line and some and slack and like you can create this ridiculous thing. It just went a little too far. But I think if they wanted to make it a little more serious, what they should have done is again hide the the actual starfish and start with the mind control starfish. Like you say Project Starfish and then all of a sudden you blow up that building and it starts to fall and then birds of starfish come out and start taking over people's minds and then they start uprising and the Suicide Squad has to beat that. And then as the building continues to fall Mm -hmm. or inverse it where the starfish like explodes the building and then maybe it's a little more like, oh, but like you hit me with the starfish and I'm like, what the hell is this floppy thing doing? And then you give me the actual creepy thing, which is the mind control. Give me the mind control first and then show me who's behind it. We saw a little bit of that. There was a lot of, there was a lot of build. There's a lot of tease to that moment. I I think they missed another opportunity. And I really, honestly, I was thinking, oh, oh, I thought I was thinking this is what's going to happen. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. If you're watching, if you happen to be listening or watching, spoiler alert, please go watch the Suicide Squad with John Cena and Idris Elba at first. And then come back. Um, they established that the um, Starro, the little Starros, could bring dead people back to life. You know, could just inhabit a body and, and move it. So after Idris Elba killed John Cena, and they start going through all this stuff, and they're fighting. All this, I thought, oh, it's going to bring back. It's going to bring Peacemaker back to life. And it's like, so we're not just dealing with fighting these regular, ordinary people. We have to fight a zombified peacemaker. Like, that would be like, you know, what a way. And then, you know, you have John Cena delivering these 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 creature lines that, like, you know, all these characters are, like, talking as – the all these people are talking as the creatures. So, you got, you know, John Cena's your big boss at the end. Again, like, after you thought he was done, he's back. Um, and then that didn't happen. So, I was very disappointed. I kept waiting. I kept waiting. I was like, here he comes. He's going to pop up. Watch this. Here he comes. Here he goes. Didn't happen. Um, so missed opportunity there to have John Cena, zombie John Cena. Um, can we talk about the f- opening a little bit? Yeah, I wanted to, to touch on that anyway, because the, uh, the, uh, it's, I really like the misdirection that the marketing played with the first Suicide Squad team mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who is heavily promoted in the marketing all these comedians and, 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 and cast members. Yeah. You finally get Nathan Villian as a superhero. All of us yeah. nerds have been wanting that forever. Oh my God. David sits here for you young 30 year olds. Yeah. 
you crazy SNL fans. All this, it it goes so far, so much further than I just. I mean, I just, I just watched it so much further to establishing the ruthlessness of Amanda Waller to She's have crazy. her sacrifice a team of people just so they can sneak up unsuspected on a different beach, and it gives you two things. The first movie did a terrible job of exemplifying what the Suicide Squad is because a pretty much the entire Suicide Squad survived in that movie. So like what it was, one person got their head blown off and it was a character that they literally introduced one minute earlier. So like, who cares? This gives you all, oh, here's the team. We're getting in the chopper. We're going down. You watch them. They're in the trenches. They're scared. They're not sure what's going on. And then they just get obliterated. One, one of them gets their head blown off. It is so, and then you're like, holy sh, this is not going well. And then she goes, Team two, you're ready to make your approach. They swarm up and you go, holy hell. She just sacrificed like eight people for the good of the mission. And it makes her so much more intimidating. And I think uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller is so much more intimidating in this movie yeah. um, than, than she was in the previous. Mm -hmm. uh, and it gives you an example of the Suicide Squad being expendable. That's the whole point is that they can – they don't they, if none of these people have to survive like they're good with losing them they're murderers and rapists and and hitmen and and weasels. you know and weasel people yeah so like i just thought the first 15 minutes of this movie are just like a genius stroke um so. well and they gave those people that they marketed such easily expendable titles and like you think that you're going to get this and then you see what they do. And it's like, okay, I'm fine with this. Like, it's fine now. Mm -hmm. You get yeah. the people that you needed. And, and it also goes to show, I mean, she purposely put Rick with that team mm -hmm. and, and he was able to escape, but like, that wasn't necessarily the plan. Yeah. It just works out. Hey, you know, Hey, Rick happened to survive. And so did Harley. Good for them. Yeah. I liked Harley's through line. I know you said you didn't really, you didn't like the, 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 I like her. Her story is absolutely unnecessary and stupid. It's got like, a great payoff, but everything like, that builds up to it is a waste of time. I honestly kind of, I really, I kind of liked it. I, I liked uh, her being swept up into the lap of, lap of luxury for a few minutes. I couldn't even tell you those people's names. Yeah, I'm not really. None sure. of them mattered in any it does, shape it or doesn't, form. Well, that's the thing. It doesn't, it doesn't overall matter, but that's, that's the point. It's Harley who matters. And, and so she Yeah, but they could have treated little, her better. I honestly think she, as thing. good as she was, she got shafted in this movie. She didn't get, she shined, yeah. but her entire story was the worst part of the movie. Oh, I don't her know. Her entire story, not her, but her story was bad. Now, I don't know about that, but that's fine. Man, we're running out of time already. Yeah. Uh, and, and to get into the box office, we'll talk about James Gunn because I love James. I've loved him since Slither. He's done a bunch of stuff. But I and I agree that he's a name. And I wonder if Suicide Squad as a name and its bad reputation was too much to overcome even for that at the box office. Because if I remember right, it did not do that well based on expectations. I'm trying to trying to to sort his his box office success here. Oh, he's listed as a producer there. Director credits. Here we go. Uh, let's go with worldwide. All right. Do you want to go ahead and get into the box office or? Yeah, or let's should do we? it. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. So um, Suicide Squad, uh, the Suicide Squad, 
open to what many are calling a disappointing $26 million. It's opening weekend of August 6th. And uh, I, I would tend to agree only because, uh, you know, the, as the pandemic rolls on and uh, we're now in the, 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 the arms of the Delta variant, as it were, movies had started to make their way back. You know, Black Widow just month, a month ago open to the highest that we had seen in, during the pandemic with 80 million. So for Suicide Squad, which had, I think, a chance at somewhere between 50 and 55 million, even for a rated R movie to open only to 26 kind of shows that <clears throat> I think people aren't excited about getting out. How much of that can you blame on HBO Max? Maybe some, but um, I feel like if people were, were really excited, they had probably gone to see this in the theater. Um, so you kind of hope that it would make a little bit more, but I mean, what can you do? Um, compared to, so that's, I only have the opening weekend numbers that, you know, the original Suicide Squad in 2016, um, same weekend open to 130 million. Like, I mean, that's what, that's in, in a healthy market. I think this movie could have easily opened over 100 million. Um, maybe a little less than the original because the original kind of had that hype of being like, oh, this is the first time. This is like, this is a reboot. This is the reboot. And like, you know, can it, you know, I, I saw the first one and it wasn't any good, you know, so there could be worries there. Uh, for James Gunn, um, it, uh, it, it, it looks like this won't necessarily be his worst opening weekend. And in fact, you know, uh, uh, as a director, he's the director of Slither, that opened to 3.8. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one opened to 94 million. Guardians 2 opened to 146 million. Uh, Guardians Volume 2 is his uh, highest grossing movie ever with 869 million, 770 for uh, the first one. Uh, right now, I mean, you know, we talked about that, that, that domestic release, but internationally, the Suicide Squad is doing about the same uh, with a worldwide total of 80.1 million right now. Uh, for the year of uh, for for the year, I believe. Hang on here. Yearly, got to sort my stuff out. Yearly, twenty twenty one. In terms of domestic releases, Black Widow has passed Fast Nine as the highest uh, earning movie of the year, one hundred seventy six million domestically. Fast Nine with one seventy one. Quiet Place Two with one fifty nine. Godzilla vs Kong right at one hundred million, and then Cruella at number five with 85 million, a uh, handful of other movies in there as well. And uh, I'll just leave it there for this time. Um, okay. Then I will say um, in order to be fair to Andrew, <clears throat> who needs all the help he can get, um, why don't we take a bye week on the letterbox game? Oh, okay. And um, just give our scores instead. So as not to inflate the numbers while he's not here to play. True, it's not a bad idea, you know. And we we can just we'll just double it up next time. Next time he's here, we'll we'll all do, we'll just drag up Suicide Squad real quick. Um, so, uh, for me, it's a three and a half. Um, I think that what he's well, that is great on my scale. Three and a half is a great on my scale. Really, um, what he was able to do with what he was given uh, to turn it around and give people a positive experience from this movie that was just absolute trash. Um, is an absolutely great effort. It has its faults still, mainly my issues with the Harley Quinn story, um, but it is a great turnaround for this franchise. I'm going to give it a four and a half. 
Um, Ooh, spicy. Yeah, I, I, I did. I, I uh, four and a half on my list is practically perfect, which I thought this was the only things holding it back for me were, like I said, uh, I thought King Shark was kind of pointless. Was, wasn't really much of interest. And uh, I, I kind of think that, uh, you know, Garrett, I think you've made some good points. I think that, you know, it is fairly tongue in cheek and maybe they could have, uh, maybe they could have lessened that a little bit. Maybe they could have done some other, made some other decisions, but that's a risky run. This is, this is, you know, Warner brothers, unfortunately had to ruin a lot of directors lives in order to get to realize, Hey, maybe we should give director, the director writer as much control as we can. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to also give it a three and a half, which I feel like is pretty fair. Um, I, I liked it well enough. I enjoyed it. I watched it again and I would watch it again. So it's a three and a half for me. And that is kind of perfect because Garrett and I's three and a half and, and David's four and a half uh, averages out to a 3.8, which is exactly what letterbox score is. It is a 3.8. So, oh, okay. How about that? Um, Perfect. The algorithm. The algorithm works out. It always are in the letterbox algorithm. Um, But that's the suicide squad. We'll see you guys next time. Be sure to find us online at so many sequels.com where you can go back and check out all our episodes and our social media Um, till next time. See ya.